Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Hello and welcome to New Beginnings Church Online for the weekend. We are continuing the series that we started two weeks ago entitled uh, Authority. We're talking about the authority of the believer, the authority of the church that Jesus has delegated towards us. And if I could kind of lay a little bit of a foundation before I get into this final part of the series. Um, It's always been God's desire for his creation to rule and reign on the earth. We see that in Genesis, and I'll be covering the scriptures as we get into the teaching. It should not come across as something foreign, uh, the concept of the church having authority on the earth. For too many centuries, the church has been, has been forced into this box that man created, that we're supposed to be, uh, like they used to say about ch- children, seen but not heard. Um, the church has to rise up. The, the believer has got to step into the authority that it cost Jesus his life and, and the suffering on the cross for us to be able to walk in the authority that he had on the earth. It is not an ungodly thing. It is not, it is not an arrogant thing. It is not a prideful thing. It is stepping into the very plan and purpose that God had for the church to be in existence on the earth. We are to rule and reign we are to be representatives of the kingdom of God here on this earth. Uh, As I have said in in the past in this series, uh, the church is the only thing between the kingdom of darkness and the lost that are on this planet. Uh, The church has the authority delegated to us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the head of the church, for us to be able to use the power of prayer to get things in order. And it's not, it's not because some of you could be saying, well, you, you think you're the one that needs to rule and reign and you're the one that wants to run the planet and the nation. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with this fact. God has authorized us to be his representatives on the earth. We have the ability and we have the empowerment that comes from God for us to be able to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me explain that. Jesus was asked by his disciples to, to, for him to teach them how to pray. And he, and he taught them how to pray. He taught them a form of prayer, an outline of prayer. But he stated the goal, the goal for prayer, the goal for a believer to pray, for a church to pray, is so that the things that are on earth would conform with the things in heaven. On earth, as it is in heaven. So when we see so much that's going on in our nation, on, our, on this planet, that is not lining up with what's going on in heaven, that's not lining up with the revealed word of God, it is our duty, our responsibility to pray for that thing, that policy, that society, whatever, our culture, to line up with the word of God and with God's will, not to take God's plan and water it down and have it conform to what our society says Christianity should be, but that we through prayer, not through haughtiness, not through arrogance, not certainly not through violence, 
should not be enforcing anything except through delegated authority. The subtitle or the thought behind this message is the question, who's really running the show? Who is in control in our nation? Who is in control on this planet? But the second question is this, who is supposed to be in control? Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authorities be given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let me give you Joe's paraphrase of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus speaking, since I've accomplished all that I have, now all authority has been entrusted to me by my father. Based on my authority, I release you and authorize you to operate as my representatives on the earth and in the realm of the spirit. Use that authority to go and bring my gospel to all nations, baptize them, teach them, disciple them so that they will operate in the same authority I have given you. Just to review a little bit here, where does our authority come from? Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God has given us authority. He created man in such a way that man would operate with the authority of God on the earth. He created us to have dominion. That is a Latin word that means lordship. And he's given us lordship, dominion, authority over all creation, both good and bad. We have dominion and authority even over viruses, over anything that's harmful, anything that is contrary to the will of God. You and I, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> submitted to the word of God, you and I have authority over these things. We are born again. Our spirits are alive unto Almighty God. We have power and ability that's been deposited in us that needs to come forth in this season especially, now more than ever. We cannot have a spiritual vacuum on the earth. If the kingdom of God does not step into that vacuum, the kingdom of darkness will continue to fill that void. Jesus is counting on us to release that power and not to keep it on a shelf like a trophy, but to get it working as a weapon of mass destruction against the kingdom of darkness. We, the church, the body of Christ on the earth must step up in a way that allows God in heaven to have a voice on the earth that will speak his will, enforce his kingdom, his principles on the earth. Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus speaking, made this declaration to the disciples. Behold, I give you authority to trample. I love that, trample. Too many times we, we, we treat the devil like a little pet and just go away, go away. No, Jesus said, I've given you power. I've given you authority. I have given you delegated empowerment to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. You and I are called by God to have authority. 
You and I are called by God to be influencers. We are to have influence. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus speaking. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. Salt preserves and flavors. Salvation gives flavor to our life. It gives purpose. It brings joy. The Holy Spirit seals and preserves us through his presence in us. We need to influence our world around us to preserve it, to bring purpose, to add flavor to hopeless lives. Light dispels darkness and brings warmth. We now carry the light of the world in us and through us. He shows warmth and the compassion of God to those living cold and heartless lives. Last weekend, we discovered that God wants his people to use authority that he delegated to Adam. The power of God ruling through the church has more authority than any natural ruler on the earth. I'm going to say that again. The power of God ruling from the church. You and I are the church. The church is not a building. This season proves that. The church is not a building. The church is people. And that power does not reside in a building. It resides in people. That power in the church has more authority in the eyes of God than any natural ruler does. Last week, we talked about Elijah. In 1 Kings, Eli- in 1 Kings chapter 7, it tells us that Elijah the prophet walked up to Ahab, the king, in his court, walked into his court and announced, as the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these days except by my word. And it did not rain for 42 months, three and a half years of no rain. Because Ahab introduced idolatry, idol worship into the land. Elijah demonstrated that a man of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit can determine the course of a nation. Who was the ruling force in that land? Was it the king on the throne or was it the man of God? The answer is it was the man of God. No matter what Ahab said, no matter what policy he enforced, no matter what evil he brought into the land, no matter what power, no matter how much military he might have had at his disposal. Elijah, a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, overruled the power of that throne. James chapter 5 verse 17 says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on that land for for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produces fruit. You and I, in the purest sense of the kingdom of God, are the ones who are going to determine the welfare of this nation, the welfare of this planet. When something goes wrong, 
People should not be turning saying, where's God? Where's God? Where's God? What they should be saying is, where was the church when this happened? We see Elijah operated in that kind of delegated authority. We see in the book of Acts that the church operated in that same type of authority. In the book of Acts, it tells us that King Herod had the apostle James beheaded. Next, Simon Peter was arrested and imprisoned. The king planned on having that apostle beheaded also. But something different happened when it was Peter's turn in prison. James is arrested. He's beheaded. There's no indication that the church took any action. But Acts chapter 12 Verse four says this, after arresting him, after Herod arrested Peter, he put him in prison, handed him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers, 16 soldiers guarding one man. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Verse five, verse five is extremely important. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. Wow, we have to ask this question. What would have happened to James had the church mobilized and prayed for James the way it prayed for Peter? Thank God the church learned its lesson when they saw they lost their beloved James. And they mobilized. And they stepped in and began to pray earnestly. That was the game changer. The church prayed Peter was supernaturally rescued from that prison and from a premature death because the church prayed. Angels were dispatched to release Peter from prison. James chapter five, verse 16. Listen to this. So important, this principle that's revealed to us in the word. It's a spiritual principle. Confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Period. Next thought. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Did you get that? The effective, fervent, passionate, determined prayer of a righteous man avails much. The very next verse in that chapter speaks of Elijah. I read it to you already. Stating that the prayer of an ordinary man empowered by the Holy Spirit, is effective. You know, in a very real way, what the world calls miracles is just normal for the kingdom of God. We are naturally, I want you to listen to this statement, we are naturally supernatural. What is natural for the kingdom of God is considered supernatural for this world. But we are not of this world. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. And so because we live in this world, we should not be forfeiting, abandoning, neglecting the fact that you and I are supernatural beings now, flesh and blood and bone bodies, but inhabited by a a spirit that is alive unto God with the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Now, who was the driving force behind this supernatural in our natural? It's the Holy Spirit. And this weekend, we celebrate Pentecost. 
The, the day that the Holy Spirit came down from heaven to empower the church, to empower believers, not to visit, but to stay, to indwell, to inhabit, to abide within the church. It was already a holiday for the Jews. It was the day that God came down on Mount Sinai in order to give the word of God to Moses. The giving of the word was the first installment in God's relationship with man. He gave man the guidelines by which we are supposed to relate to our father in heaven. But man was limited to following rules and rituals. And therefore, the old nature remained intact. Not until the Holy Spirit came to indwell man. Through salvation... Do we see the old nature die and, 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 the, and the new man come to life? The old man had to die. The new man had to come to life. Now, in this age that we live in, in this New Testament age of the church, we see a joining together of that first installment of God bringing his word to his people through Moses. We see Jesus coming to the earth in order to position us and qualify us so that God's Holy Spirit could come and indwell in us. And now we've got the best of the kingdom of God. We now have the word of God that has revealed salvation to us, giving us the guidelines, giving us empowerment on how to live on this planet. But then we have the spirit of God indwelling us writing his law on our hearts, revealing Jesus to us like never before, empowering us to be representatives on the earth. And so that's why in this day that we live in right now, we have such a great expectation because people have been prophesying this for decades and decades. The joining together, the, the word, the word and the spirit, the spirit and the word coming together and empowering the church. to not only reveal the kingdom of God, but to enforce the kingdom of God. That day had been promised by Jesus himself. He introduced the Holy Spirit as the helper. John chapter seven, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his belly, out of his, his inner core will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. The believers in Jesus would at some point receive the Holy Spirit. They could not at that point because Jesus had not yet been glorified. In John 14, verse 26, Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to his disciples at that last supper. But the helper, the helper, the helper, I want that to stick in your head, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. In Acts chapter one, verse four, and being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John, to met John the Baptist, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. 
Therefore, when they, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to him, it's not for you to know the time or the hour, or the seasons in which my father has put in his own authority. But you, look at verse eight, look at verse eight. But you shall receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What's the promise? It's supernatural flow of the Holy Spirit from within us that would come from the helper, the helper, the advocate. What's the promise? Verse eight, power, power that distinguishes us from the natural of this planet. Power that gives us the ability and the delegated authority to say to the kingdom of darkness, that's enough. In the name of Jesus, we bind you. In the name of Jesus, we resist you. In the name of Jesus, we cancel your plans. There was no other entity on the planet that has the spiritual authority to put the devil in his place except the church. But there is one more promise that seems to have escaped the modern day church. And this one, may prove to be the most important promise for the church in these last days. The helper, the helper, the helper. Romans chapter eight, verse 26, the apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome gives us tremendous insight into the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. He picks up where Jesus left off at the last supper. Listen to this closely. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. We could say infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I'm going to read this again because as far as I am concerned, this is the most important verse of Scripture for the day that we live in. Romans 8, 26, again. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, in our infirmities. I could say it this way, and I don't think I'd be wrong in the context of what the Scripture is talking about. The Spirit himself helps us in our ignorance. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, himself, he's a person, makes intercession for us. He wants to pray through us. He wants to take hold together with us against, and you'll see that very clearly as I'm about to go into a little bit more information as it pertains to the scripture. Before I do that, I want to recognize Pastor Rick Renner for his insight into the Greek language without which we would not have revelation into this verse of scripture. The Greek word translated help, helpeth in King James, helps. That Greek word that's translated helps is actually a compound of three distinct Greek words. The first word is the word son, S-U-N, meaning to do something in conjunction with someone else. The second word is anti, which we know means against. The third word is the word lambano, which means to take or to receive. 
With these three words joined together, the new word, sunantilambeno, means to take hold of something with someone else, gripping it together as tightly as possible, and throwing your combined weight against it to move it out of the way. And that's what you and I need right now in these days of so much adversity coming against us, so much pressure coming against us, so much of the enemy's obstacles being thrown in our path. You and I need a partnership with the Holy Spirit that is very active and alive, that we know that he's joining together with us to take hold against that which is coming against your life and my life, that which is coming against the church, that which is coming against this nation, that which is trying to paralyze our economy, that which is trying to shut down the gospel going forth. We cannot do it in our own strength. Soon, the partnership, co-laborer, it describes the stance and the position of the Holy Spirit. Anti means fiercely against, extremely dangerous, describes the attitude of the Holy Spirit. And lambano is an action word, to take, to seize, I want to add this violently, describes the passionate desire of the Holy Spirit to remove every obstacle and cast aside every enemy. And I, I want to say this right now because this is a revelation that hit me just in the last day or two. I don't know about you, for the longest time I've entertained this thought that the Holy Spirit was this gentle, wispy, non-threatening, I don't know what other adjectives to use, but, and I think something stuck in my head many years ago when I heard someone teach that the Holy Spirit is like the emotional part of the Trinity and that Jesus and the Father were very protective of the Holy Spirit. So, so you kind of think of that sickly kid that you have in the family that, that everybody's afraid to put too much pressure on them and, and you're, or, or, or they'll emotionally collapse on you or, or you know, the one that you're just, you're very careful and you know, you're, like you're walking on eggshells around them because they're so delicate. Well, let me tell you something. Through studying this, and through just, just praying, and all of a sudden, I have gotten this picture. Hold on a second. The Holy Spirit is a warrior. The Holy Spirit is a man of war. The Holy Spirit is the power of God. There is nothing delicate about it. Delicate about it. There's nothing dainty about it. it is, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing a picture of the Holy Spirit in, in my life and in the life of believers that just a man of war, ready to yield the sword of the Spirit. He's the one who puts the word of God in your mouth mouth. He knows how to handle a sword. He knows how to handle a shield. He is powerful. And let me tell you something. These words in the original language, the definitions enforce that idea. To lumbano means to take and to seize violently. It describes a passionate desire of the Holy Spirit. That word is the same word that is used to describe the gathering demoniac in the gospels. A, a person who was so fierce, no one would come near them. They couldn't keep chains on him. That same word is, describes the, the passion, the desire, the commitment of the Holy Spirit. He is a man of war and he's waiting for us to invite him to come and do battle together with us against everything that is threatening your life. 
The Holy Spirit is saying, when you don't know how to pray, when you feel overwhelmed by your infirmities, your weaknesses, your lack of knowledge, the confusion that's plaguing your mind, call on me and I will take hold of these things together with you. That little word helps. Sunanti Lumbano is, is just saturated with power. And remember that Jesus introduced him as the helper. Man, talk about an understatement. Make him your very personal prayer partner. See him actively joining forces together with you, instructing every move, taking hold together with you against every work of darkness. It was the passionate, determined, dangerous Holy Spirit who spoke to Elijah and shut down the rain for 42 months as judgment against Ahab and his idolatry. It was a fiercely passionate, powerful Holy Spirit who prayed through the church and had Peter's life spared and delivered from the hand of Herod. It is a dangerous, violent, passionate Holy Spirit who's waiting for you to pray, to let him decree and declare through your mouth to, to destroy every plan of the enemy, to take hold together with you against every form of darkness in your life. Practice it. Practice it. See yourself surrounded by his powerful arms. Hear his voice bellow through you to stop the enemy in his tracks. See, see his hands overshadowing your hands, taking hold of the sword of the spirit. See him empowering you. See him surrounding you. And remember that Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He's here to do more than just indwell us. He is here to help us through every battle of life. I hope this has stirred you up. I hope that you have a total different picture of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit the very power of God living in you, ready, ready upon your invitation to put his super on your natural and see things change. Join me in your hearts as we pray. Father, we're so grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, we desire to fulfill your command to take authority over all the darkness that's on this planet. Lord, we want to connect with your Holy Spirit so much more now than ever in our lives. Lord, work in us. Work through us. Holy Spirit, rise up in a fresh new way. Take hold together with us against every ungodly thing that is trying to position itself in this nation to shut down the progress of the gospel, to bring injustice into the lives of every individual in this nation. Holy Spirit, come and fulfill Romans 8.26 in our lives. We invite you to be our Sunanti Lambeno, our helper, the force of the kingdom of God on this earth. I pray, Father, that every person listening to this message there would be a fire that develops on the inside, a passion, a determination to see your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we thank you and we bless you. 
And we're so grateful that Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross in order for us to be put in a position, Father, for the Holy Spirit to be able to indwell our lives. Now, Lord, command us what to speak. Command us what to pray. Open our eyes to see the plots and the conspiracies of darkness that we would, we would neutralize them with the word of God. We are your vessels. We are your people. Come and use your church, God. Love through us. Rescue through us. Redeem through us. Trample on the enemy through us. We pray this, God, with expectancy. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. I pray that this has been a blessing to you. I know it has been a blessing to me. I pray that you see the fruit of this in your lives as you continue to practice the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you would see him as this mighty warrior within you that's waiting to rise up at your invitation. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.